Welcome to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life and in your organization, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a career coach, mother, and amateur ecologist living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi friends, it's so lovely to be back here with you. Um, Apologies for the delay between episodes. (laughs) Um, I have been teaching and writing so much for Cedar Lodge and some other workshops that I've been doing, and that has taken more attention than I expected, but um, I'm still very invested in this podcast and excited to share some changes that we're going to be making to it um, with you later in a couple minutes. So uh, thank you for being here. I'm hoping that going forward, there won't be, you know, a month between a month plus between episodes, but uh, I'm along for the ride too, just like you. So um, we will see. My intention is to release more frequently, uh, but I'm going to do my best. Um, so I'm coming to you from, uh, the Pacific Northwest where it is full on spring season. I hope you have been enjoying the sense of freshness and newness that comes with the new plants and the birds and the increased daylight. You know, the sun is in the zodiac sign of Aries, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, but this time is always really meaningful for me professionally. And I want to take things a little bit deeper today and just share more of myself with you um, with the hopes that A, it helps us to be in an authentic relationship with each other, and B, that it helps you on your own healing journey with work and career, however that looks for you. So I want to say at the outset that I am sharing this today without wanting to place any onus on you. I know that you are probably someone who's very caring and thoughtful and that if, if you hear about someone who has suffered or is suffering, um, there may be a tendency for you to want to step in and, and help and support. And I want to treat this as if it's a coaching session. You know, my coaching clients are in a container where they don't have to help or take care of me, right? I'm there to take care of myself and to take care of them. And that's what I want for you today to offer this story to you, but to let, to help you let go of any need, if it's there to help me. You know, of course, if you resonate with what's here and you want to support my business, that's wonderful. But I want you to know at the outset that I'm doing well. (laughs) I have amazing support. I share my journey with you today as a gift, not a plea. Um, So just want to help you really receive this and and receive whatever resonates for you without any need to um, step in, that it's, it's here as an offering to you. So Before I dive in, I want to share two announcements. One is that, like I alluded to earlier, we're going to be playing with a new podcast format this year. I am going to be sharing anonymous recorded coaching sessions with you, not with ongoing clients, but with one-off sessions, people that I just meet with once. And I want to do this because there's so much learning available when we hear others' stories, um, and so that you can hear what it's like to be inside a container of support and really benefit from the person being coached from their story, but also the good work that they are doing. Um, so my aim is to start sharing these in a couple of weeks, and I'll continue offering episodes that are just you know me sharing my thoughts about the natural world and our careers, but my aim is to offer an episode that's a recorded coaching session about once a month. So stay tuned. I think they're going to be really lovely and helpful. If you would like to be coached, if you would like to be someone who anonymously shares their story and supports the community in this way, I'm offering these sessions on a deep sliding scale and want to do it for people who feel ready and also in a way that feels really safe and supported to you. So you can learn more about what that could look like at the link in the show notes or at awildnewwork.com slash podcast. My other announcement is to share that I'm currently enrolling for new clients for the spring coaching program. Um, This is, I know it might sound arrogant, but this is a really amazing six month coaching program. And for people that it's a good fit for, it can be incredibly transformative. I have yet to um, move through this type of program um, and not 
be delighted to see the transformation that takes place for people. It's a really good fit for people who are kind of mid to senior level in their careers where they've done a thing for, you know, about 10 years, um, five to 10 years, and they sense that something is shifting, but they're not really sure what it is. And they may have tried to make changes in the past that didn't stick. They may feel like you know, it's really scary to start wanting to untangle where they've been or open up to totally new possibilities. Um, and so in this six month, six month program, we're moving through a seasonal model of career development. We move through the four seasons and what they have to offer us um, in terms of growing in our careers and making changes. There's a workbook that we move through together. There's, you know, 11 one-hour sessions. There's a tarot reading. So the benefits are sort of twofold. One, the curriculum itself, right? You're moving through this um, original seasonal framework that I've created and that has been really nutritive for people. But you're also inside of a really strong container where you don't have to do extra work. You're there to heal and to discover what's possible for you through your working life. So if you sense that something needs to shift in your career, but you're not really sure what it is or it's feeling really scary, I encourage you to check out the program. Check it out on the website or at the link in the show notes. Schedule a free consultation between now and Friday, April 16th. And um, we can you know, learn more about one another and see if the program is a good fit for you. Enrollment closes, like I said, Friday, April 16th. And the program begins on Tuesday, April 20th, once the sun moves into the sign of Taurus. So like I said, you can learn more on my website, awhilenewwork.com slash coaching or at the link in the show notes. All right, with that, let's move into our opening invocation. So wherever you are, just settling in to your seat or into your body, bringing some loving awareness to this present moment. May each of us be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Cowlitz and Clackamas tribes, among many others, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. All right, well, let me give you a little overview of the uh, part of the cycle of the year that we're in right now. So we are in early spring. The sun moved into the sign of Aries on March 20th with the spring equinox. Um, Aries is the first sign of the zodiac and it's the first sign of the spring season. So it's called a cardinal sign. It initiates us into the new season and into the new zodiac year. It's related to the fire element. In the tarot, it's, it corresponds to the emperor card, number four in the major arcana. It's often symbolized by the ram, but my experience of Aries in this time of year, again, I think astrology and an ecological perspective go so beautifully together. This time of year is so much, it's soft, but also um, unequivocally focused and determined. And both of those can be true. It's the new, it's new life, right? It's the new baby that cries out without apology for what they need. It's the new lamb, the chick, the seedling. It's that dogged instinct to survive and permission to be here, right? It's the dawn. It's that soft pink, blue, orangish light, right? It's soft, but it is foreshadowing the rising of a very strong life-giving sun, so within Aries season, it's almost like we move from the new little lamb all the way up until the full grown ram, you know, at the end where we do take up more space. We are um, strong and, uh, and possibly aggressive or we, um, you know, move impulsively or without question. So all of these can be true within this one sign. But my sense of the early spring, at least, is that we're really learning how to take up space in a new way. We're learning how we need to be reborn this spring. You know, what is the new life that's coming into our experiences and how can we give it the space that it needs, the love that it needs, the attention that it needs. And this is especially potent one year into COVID where the possibilities for rebirth may seem more limited. 
but I encourage you to consider that there is still an invitation to you to take up space in a new way in your life and in your career, to become a truer version of yourself, which doesn't have to be tidy or make total sense. You know, if you've ever seen a new lamb, you know, they're, they fumble, they fall. It's not, you know, they're not out of the womb and walking perfectly and that's okay. We're still early in this season. We're still planting the seeds. We can't see, you know, what is growing yet. But there is this incredible potential, this dawn, this sunrise that we can harness and embrace and drink in for ourselves. On April 19th, on or around April 19th, the sun moves into the sign of Taurus, which is a fixed earth sign. So it's the middle of the spring. It's when spring is in full bloom. We're not transitioning out of winter and we're not transitioning into the summer yet. So we're looking at establishment. We're looking at the plants as they build up their stalks. They convert, you know, starches into the fiber that holds them upright so that they're strong enough to support the flowers that are blooming, the fruit that may be coming later. We're really looking at authority. And the the tarot card that corresponds to Taurus is the Hierophant number five, where we are established enough in our life and in our experience to start sharing ourselves and our wisdom even more with the world, right? So we start to see the fruit or the blooming that's coming from the initiation and the establishment that has started in early spring. So draw in what you need at this time, just like the plants and the animals are doing, you know, make a nest for your hopes and your dreams this year. Give water to the new ideas that come through or the changes that you desire. Don't stamp them out just because they don't make total sense yet or they seem silly. Be an authority figure in your own life and career. Take up the resources that you need in order to bloom this spring and to potentially produce fruit later this summer. So learning to be an authority figure in our lives and careers is what I want to talk about today. And I want to talk about that journey for myself. Where I want to start is I want to share with you the two major seven-year cycles that I have been through. And I want to tell you where I, myself, and my work, my company, A Wild New Work, has come from and really share with you the pieces of this journey that have enabled me to heal. And I share this as both someone who has been through a lot with regard to work and healing and who is in a space now to mentor others through their own journeys and as someone who is still learning, right? Both are true. You can be a teacher and a student at the same time. And and actually that's the only way to do it. So um, I share these uh, experiences humbly and with the intention of supporting you, but I want to just be really honest um, about where I've been so that you um, know me and can see what threads uh, might resonate and call to you right now. So I want to start with the first cycle, which started in 2007. I was a junior in college, and um, I had grown up in a pretty conservative, um, I I don't know if I want to say fundamentalist, but a very Christian family. Um, I was raised Church of Christ, and my my parents um, converted to Catholicism later, um, but I wasn't uh, a believer when they did that. Um, So I chose to go to a, a pretty conservative Christian college in Seattle, and that included, you know, mandatory theology classes, and we were all expected to go to chapel once a week. And um, so I was learning a lot about the Christian faith, and most of my friends were Christian, and it was just sort of the water that I swam in. But I was taking a women in Christianity class by some amazing, you know, Dr. Pope Levison, and um, we were covering Calvinism, which is, I'm not going to do this justice, but um Essentially, to me, what I picked up was that Calvinism is this doctrine that there are only a certain number of chosen souls who will enter, you know, the kingdom of heaven once they die. And before this, I had been taking, I had started my women's studies minor. Um, I, you know, might have been on the liberal end of the spectrum in terms of my classmates, but something about that class um, triggered the one and only panic attack I've had in my life. And I spent the weekend um, coming to terms with the fact, one, 
with the fear that I was not one of those souls and that the work I had done to be faithful and to be a good Christian for my entire life was pointless and that I was destined to spend eternity in hell. And then two, I got to the place where um, I just got really angry that this belief that I had devoted my life to would feel so scary and cause me so much pain. And um, with some support and space to myself, I took a sort of radical stance and I decided that I just didn't want anything to do with it anymore. I stopped going to church. I, um, you know, told my friends I was no longer a Christian. I had to sit my parents down and and deliver that news to them, which was very painful. Um, And I spent the last year of college trying to give myself space and separate from this belief system that had been a home for me my entire life. And it wasn't just a belief system, but it was an entire culture that I had been a part of. Um, It was the way I made sense of the world. And Instead of, you know, I just had to sort of fall apart and I didn't have a guide or a mentor or or someone who could tell me how to put the pieces back together again in a way that felt like, you know, I could still be spiritual without necessarily believing in the same form of Christianity that I had been raised in. So I didn't have I didn't have any spiritual practice. I, I went from being a very spiritually devoted person who prayed all the time and had a, a deep relationship with you know, what I, I called God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit and went to someone who uh, didn't have any of that, that there was no communication with the spiritual realm. And after college, I graduated. Um, I tried a few months of working in a, a shelter for domestic violence survivors. Um, that did not go well. Ended up moving home with my parents um, and decided after a few months that I wanted to do something abroad. I wanted to volunteer. I wanted to see the world a little bit. So I happened to find this feminist uh, Palestinian organization in Haifa, Israel. And I reached out to them and ended up going and moving there for a couple of months and working with them in their office, um, which was incredibly transformative. It wasn't the first time I'd gone abroad, but it was the first time I went by myself. Um, and as a young woman, that was Um, very difficult and scary at times, but also really beautiful. Um, And while I was there, I decided that uh, I wanted to go to graduate school. I I found a conflict and dispute resolution program at the University of Oregon in my hometown of Eugene um, and had played with going into the Peace Corps, but that ended up not feeling like the right thing. And you know, grad school is often there as an option for those of us who aren't really sure what's next, but we it's kind of a safe place to land, you know, and that's what it was for me. So in 2010, I started a master's program in conflict and dispute resolution at the U of O School of Law. And that's where I met my now husband, Chris, and we didn't get together for two more years. But uh, our relationship is certainly one of the, the best things that came out of that experience. So, you know, I I wouldn't say I regret going to graduate school, but it was a huge investment that I'm still paying for that, you know, I see now that the decision was really made out of a lack of knowing and a lack of knowing myself and what I needed. And so I'm very grateful for the experience and for the people I met there, but I can see how my decision to go there was made out of primarily out of fear. So as part of that program, I needed to do a a senior project or thesis, and so I actually went back to the same organization in Israel, this Palestinian feminist organization, and lived there for nine months doing my own research and volunteering with them, and I I wrote a paper on um, indigenous Palestinian methods of conflict resolution and how to empower women to be more involved in uh, what is a you know, just like ours, a very patriarchal culture. So it was a, again, an incredible transformative experience. And I just didn't have the coping skills or the tools to be in a place like that by myself for nine months. You know, Israel, in my experience, is not an easy place to be. It is a conflict zone. And I was working with people who had been severely oppressed, whose culture had been, I mean, ravaged by the the conflict there. And it was not an easy place to be. And I came back traumatized and without 
a reservoir of vitality and well-being. It was a really hard time, a hard place to be, and a hard transition back home. And when I got home, I knew that I didn't want to do what I thought I wanted to do with that conflict resolution program. I had went in, I had gone in intending to live abroad and support women in conflict zones and, and help women become leaders within conflict. And I just knew I wasn't meant to take that path. And so came back home in tatters, still didn't know what I wanted to do, finished, finished my paper, you know, graduated took a job in a social services agency working with at-risk and homeless youth in Eugene, um, got together with Chris, which is the highlight of that year. And as part of our coming together, uh, we decided that I would move with him to Boston uh, in the fall of 2012, which is what we did. And that was, again, and I'll share some of the larger themes that I see in this period, but if you think about the decisions that you might have made in your life that are from a place of total emptiness and disconnection and fear, <laughs> they probably weren't the best, most fruitful decisions. And again, I don't regret anything on this path, but I could see how much extra suffering and pain I gave myself because of this lack of connection to me and to anything deeper or more meaningful. So I arrived in Boston, I just, you know, spent 80 grand on this master's degree, and the only work I could find was with a temp agency making $10 an hour doing a horribly mindless administrative work. And one of the assignments that I took was like a three-month stint at this residential energy efficiency company called Next Step Living. And um, I've written about this in the past, but it was you know, it was a startup, it's on the East Coast, people are very driven, um, lots of like fancy universities and, and titles and people there. And I sat at this desk facing a wall in the middle of a hallway right next to the leadership team. And I would literally, I was having to do like data input for $10 an hour. Again, I'm a temp with a fucking master's degree. And I would have to like fight falling asleep at my desk because it was just so boring and tedious and I would be done after like three hours you know but expected to stay there for eight and the only way I'd get paid was if I stayed for eight and it was horrible and um, I did that for three months and then there was an opening on the customer service team and this was this little team that worked with like really escalated customers uh, where something had gone wrong in the home or there was like a dispute or, or something. And it just so happened that my conflict resolution degree could be useful there. So I applied and I got hired on and had the most amazing manager, shout out to Katie Daly, um, and had a, a nice experience. It was like my first kind of professional role out of grad school. Um, I felt like, you know, I was paid better. I felt like I could make friends. It was a really stabilizing place for me to fall. And so I did like high level customer service for about a year, which um, was like completely taxing on my nervous system. I hate talking on the phone or getting like, you know, <laughs> a surprise call. Um, I was in, you know, managing conflict with angry customers or people who were confused or, you know, upset all day, every day. And it was a lot. And so um, I knew when I had started at Next Step Living that I would like to learn more about their human resources capacity because I felt like it would be a good complement to my degree and what I was interested in, in learning more about. And it just you know, very beautifully and organically happened that I got to know the people on the HR team. And when there was an opening, um, they invited me to apply and I did and was hired, um, which is really unusual and lucky in the world of HR to be hired as an HR generalist without any prior experience. And um, Jeff and Lise, who were the managers there, uh, really took a chance on me. And I'm so lucky and grateful. And so through that role, through that about it was about a year that I was in this HR generalist into an HR manager role. I really got to learn what it was to be a team member, to be more professional, to communicate much more clearly, to be strategic, to try and form bonds and, and bridges with managers and employees. And I just learned so much. But again, it just was not the right 
fit for, for me and my nervous system. I just was pulling, you know, 12 hour days in the office. I wasn't eating well. I was total rush, total cortisol pumping all day, every day, even on the weekends. And I was really unhealthy, unhappy, uncomfortable in my body. And I reached a point where I just knew it was untenable. I just could not continue in that capacity. And so I, I gave notice and thank God my much more thoughtful boss, Jeff, asked me if I would be willing to stay on in a contractor capacity, you know, as a consultant once I moved back to Portland. And that was um, such a lucky off-ramp for me. It was a beautiful way for me to land in a new place without total instability. Um, and that's what I did. And so in 2014, seven years after my junior year of college and my spiritual crisis, I came back to the Pacific Northwest. And when I look back on the that seven years, it's clear now, it wasn't at the time, but it's just clear how psychically and spiritually empty I was. I just can't believe how like barren my experience was. I felt so disconnected from myself, from the world around me, from the natural world, for sure, from spirituality or the spirit world. Um, and when you're in a place like that, it's really easy to be super um, reactive and vulnerable, right? All I wanted in that seven years was to be seen, was for someone to come in and say, like, do this, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, do this, and you'll figure everything out. Or, um, wow, you are really good at something, or you do have something to offer. And so whether it was, you know, a shitty dude in a bar, or someone at work, if I got that sense that they could see me, or they thought that I was valuable or worthy, I would just, you know, go along with it, whatever they were proposing. And that, that brought so much pain and suffering. And, um, it's really painful to look back and see the times when we did not respect ourselves, our boundaries, our needs, our worthiness. And I accepted a lot and said yes to a lot of things that were not actually a good fit for me because I was untethered. I was wandering around in the wilderness, you know, for seven years. And thank goodness that I was, you know, supported and protected in the ways that I was. And, you know, and everything did end up being okay. But um, I faced a lot of heartache, a lot of depression, a lot of um, heavy drinking and, and unhealthiness in my body. Um, and by 2014, I just sort of flopped back into the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, my partner, Chris, we had been together, you know, since I had moved to Boston and he was sort of the anchor for me that, um, allowed me to even get back to this place where I could start to rebuild. So we moved back to Portland and I was, you know, still contracting and consulting with my old company, and that ended up lasting for a year, which again was such a gift. Um, it provided some financial stability, some emotional stability. Um, and at the time, I, I thought it would just be very temporary. And I actually came back to Portland and I started applying for other HR jobs. But if, you've, um, if you're in that realm or if you're trying to break into a new industry and you're still green, uh, no one would talk to me. <laughs> I had a couple of interviews. I was offered, I think, two roles, um, both of them just really not the right fit, so I didn't accept. Um, but it was really hard to get anyone to offer me an HR job. And in the end, I'm really grateful. I'm so glad I didn't end up there and that I was sort of forced into entrepreneurship, but it was not my intention to work for myself at all. It wasn't even in my in the realm of possibility for me at that time. So for about a year, I consulted for this other organization. I took on a few other HR consulting projects. And I also met my therapist, Rachel, um, who I still see and love. And if you need a therapist recommendation, um, you know, let me know and I'm happy to send you her information. Um, but I happened to be referred to Rachel um, through another therapist. And again, showing up to her office just completely like in pieces and not really sure like who I was or what I wanted or, or why I was even here. And she really helped me start put putting the pieces back together. 
she encouraged me to practice just meditating and being still. And it started just as I would literally just sit on the floor for 10 minutes <laughs> and not do anything. And that was the beginning, the kernel of this incredible spiritual reconfiguration that I've been going through for the last seven years. Um, through our work together, I started to experiment with the tarot, uh, which is an ancient intuitive tool that I use now in my daily life and in my work. Um, I connected with the natural world again in my, in my home in this familiar environment of the Pacific Northwest. And I began writing. I started to write a blog with my dad <laughs> about, cause he's in the realm of like risk management. And we were writing a blog about workplace issues and it started very small on WordPress, you know, to, to 20 people who had signed up. And it was the beginning of a seven year process of finding my voice again and, and discovering, you know, it might sound cheesy, but really putting myself back together in a new way and, and reconnecting with something that was bigger than myself, but also that was me. And so after about nine months of consulting in the realm of HR, I knew that I wanted to do something different. I was, you know, not getting any HR jobs. I couldn't see this contract really extending. It wasn't like super loving the consulting gigs that I had, and I wanted to explore something else. And so I started to poke around and I came across this one month floral design certification program in Portland. And, um, you know, I've always loved nature and flowers and I identify as someone who can be creative. Um, and I thought it would just be fun. And I thought it might be the doorway to a new career as a florist. I had a vision of like a food cart, but with flowers and I had it all like laid out in my mind and how amazing it would be. And, um, and so I spent my savings on this one month program. I put my consulting work on hold, um, and I did it and it was really interesting. <laughs> um, I found out, you know, pretty quickly that, uh, if it, if I was going to do the floral thing, it wasn't going to be in that way. I did learn some great tricks and I learned about the Ikebana, the Japanese practice of meditation with floral design, which is a beautiful um, practice and met some lovely people. And after that one month ended, I still wanted to explore whether this was a possibility. I was still um, interested in starting this new career. And so I, you know, shadowed other florists. I, um, you know, started a started a business, um, got a website up. Um, you know, I did some, I did a wedding for a friend, did some other like projects. Um, I spent the rest of my savings on a, a Valentine's day endeavor that completely bombed. I had like $1,200 worth of flowers and in inventory that I think I made like 60 bucks. <laughs> um, and so after I would say two months, it was just very clear that like this path was not leading in the way that I thought it would be. Um, I didn't really enjoy other florists that I met, didn't find them to be very warm, helpful people, um, you know, loved being around the flowers, but just didn't like the work. And I wish I could tell you like this led to meeting this person who led to this, you know, new thing, but it, it really just didn't. And it was just an experiment and it, it didn't turn out the way that it, I thought it would. And, and that's okay. It was, what was important to me at that time was just giving myself permission to try something new and to go out on a limb and take a risk. And that's what I needed right then. So when that did not work out, I took on another HR consulting gig and, um, I, I really don't remember how this happened, but I just started I think percolating for a few months over the idea of wanting to help employees in a deeper way. You know, as an HR consultant, I was there to support the leadership team and the, you know, HR team if there was one, and my role wasn't really to support the employees. And I felt that disconnect. I didn't I didn't love that. And so I was talking to Chris and, you know, I thought, you know, what if I just sort of hung a shingle as a career coach, like what would that look like? And so I rented an office space for five hours a week, got on their website, the, this uh, little like therapy coaching firm, and just started seeing people for like $30 an hour. And I was 
not good at it at first. I like shudder to think of what those early sessions were like and, and how they might have been for people. But I got enough traction and I learned enough in that time that I knew that I wanted it to grow. And I was still writing about workplace issues. I was still, you know, in the realm of HR, still involved in the local HR association. Um, and I wanted to keep going. So I, over time, I just started to build this business. I just started seeing more and more people one-on-one. I got some new office space. I was writing. I was offering classes on like intuitive communication at work and other career development stuff. Um, In 2015, Chris and I got married, which again was a really lovely anchor for me and offered some stability. I was still seeing Rachel, my therapist, uh, weekly, you know, still trying to recalibrate and and put myself back together. And most of what Rachel and I talked about in our sessions was work because work had become, it was so clearly um, a way for me to express myself, to to figure out what I even thought and believed anymore, um, to feel like I had something to offer people, to offer service and be part of the world. Um, and so I, you know, went full in with this business, you know, from 2015 to 2017, seeing people writing, doing classes, offering workshops. I did a a fair amount of speaking actually. Um, and then in 2017, I had my daughter Wyatt and that was, I mean, a humongous threshold for any parent, of course. Um, but it meant that I needed to put the work on hold, which was really hard. I was in a really expansive growing stage. I had more clients than ever. And, um, it was like, to be honest, I felt kind of resentful (laughs) that I had to stop working because it just wasn't feasible for me physically. And I, I wanted to bond with my new child And, um, we had a lovely, like early time together and, you know, being initiated into motherhood, motherhood is, um, not a joke at all. And I looking back, looking back did not get the support that I needed. I didn't ask for the support that I really needed it. Um, since 2017, there have been deeper valleys of depression and, uh, physical illness than I have experienced before. And, I know that my new coping mechanisms, my reconnection to spirit and to myself have been the only way that I've, you know, gotten out of those and they don't last nearly as long. Whereas the first, in the first cycle, in that first seven years, I would say I was just in maybe a shallower, but an equally um, devastating and dark canyon for much longer. And since, you know, 2014, and especially since having my daughter, those valleys are deep and they're, um, dark, but I can get out of them more quickly and they don't last as long. Um, but the physical toll of motherhood on top of just being really driven and wanting to work a lot and really loving what I do. And again, viewing my work as a healing journey and as a spiritual practice was a dance that was really hard to figure out. Um, and, you know, since 2017, there's been a lot of struggle, some things, some new work, um, partnerships that did not go well, um, where again, I was still in that mode of really wanting to be seen and still not totally healed in terms of believing in what I had to offer and that what I was doing was good enough as it was on my own. Um, and so when someone would come along and say, Hey, I think you'd be great at this, or I think we should do this. Or when I felt kind of my lack of footing or unsure of myself, you know, reaching out to find someone who would tell me, you know, like this is valuable. Um, so there were still patterns of, you know, decisions that weren't great for me and, and, you know, were not the right thing and that didn't end well as a result, because it was still a decision made out of fear and the belief that what I had and who I was, wasn't good enough. But I do feel, you know, that cycle has transformed and I hope I have, I've released that iteration of that cycle. And so especially since 2017, um, have been putting myself back together even more and really supporting myself, um, to get bigger, to really be in love with this work, to allow the work 
to heal me and to be um, a mode of healing for so many others. And so um, after I had my daughter, you know, had a a little blurb with a partnership that didn't go well in 2018, and then sort of in 2019 came back to my original vision of, you know, doing one-on-one coaching, creating a space where we could talk about how nature informs our work, um, how we can be in community and be in our careers in a way that's more in integrity for us. And um, it was, uh, I don't want to pretend like I was putting the pieces back together and everything got figured out because after that partnership failed, um, I felt really unclear of of whether or not I could sustain this vision and whether it was something I was trying to force. Um, because in 2019, every piece of the work felt really hard. Um, not my time with clients, but getting clients, um, earning enough income, um, the time between client sessions and knowing like what I wanted to offer or say. And so when I got pregnant with our son, Kylan, in 2019, I um, I felt like that maternity leave was a good opportunity to step away from the work and to give it space because I knew in pre- from previous experience when something is feeling like so hard, like such a slog, um, when, the, when I needed to like constrict around it, that the thing to do then is, is to actually do the opposite and just sort of let it go and give it space. And so in January of 2020, I stepped away from the work. I sent an email to my newsletter community, um, and said, I'm stepping away for early maternity leave. And I don't know if I'm coming back, um, because the work just felt, it was just too hard and not hard, like too much effort. It was just not going well. Um, and, I had been in it, you know, since 2014 for five years working for myself. And I just, um, I just felt like I couldn't maintain that level of effort and, um, frustration anymore. And, and I'm so lucky I had, you know, Rachel's support. I had Chris's support. I had my spiritual practice. I knew that I needed to step away. This wasn't like a rash, you know, sign up for grad school type of decision, but it was a leap of faith. And it was really scary to step away from my business and say publicly that that's what I was doing. Um, and then, you know, we moved houses in January of 2020. I had Kylan in March of 2020. Um, and then of course the pandemic started. So it's really a blessing that I stepped away from the work because I could not have held space for clients in that time. Um, and in May of 2020 last year, I started to feel like I was ready to look at the work again and it started to feel, easier. And it felt like the pandemic, um, helped me understand the value of this work and what I wanted to bring to it and how to take it to a deeper level. So I chose to come back to this work because, because it's my vocation for lack of a better word. It's, it's where I'm asked to be right now. It's where, um, it's where I believe spirit needs me to be. It's the healing journey for myself that I'm still on and for those that I'm so lucky to mentor. So I knew that I needed to come back to this, but it needed to be in a different way. And I needed a lot more support. Um, I have always been reticent to ask for what I need. It's part of what I'm unlearning and relearning. Um, and I knew that if I was going to come back to this business, it had to be with more support. So I got some amazing technical so- support from a graphic designer who's a friend. Um, I have a wonderful friend who's helping me make you know, changes to the website. I hired a business coach for the first time in seven years, which I really wish I had done earlier, but it has been pivotal for me. Um, and so I'm finding ways to do this work in more integrity, in a deeper way um, that honors the fact that to me, this is a spiritual act. This is a a spiritual devotion, this work. And, um, so I'm so lucky, so delighted to be back and I'm still not earning as much as I did, you know, as an HR manager when I was employed. That's, you know, something that I didn't mention earlier. Um, I didn't take a huge pay cut when I transitioned into a consultant, but I was working a lot less. And that, when I stepped away from consulting entirely to focus on coaching, 
um, I still have not made up that income, which has been really, really hard at times. Um, you know, I benefit from having a partner who has had steady employment um, and also, you know, from having a partner who is deeply supportive, who sees that this work is important to me, but also to my um to what it is I want to leave on this planet. And um, it has not been easy to not always be able to pay our bills with ease. But um, I know now that the, the money is going to come and the way that this has worked for the last seven years is that there's a foundation now of integrity and receptivity and that the money that is going to come in that is coming in now um, is flowing into a career and a, a life that can be receptive to it so that I'm not contorting myself, you know, to, to meet our financial needs. And I don't, I don't want to pretend like we don't have a lot of privilege that has allowed us to take that risk and allowed us to be more flexible with finances. And it is different now having two little ones. Um, so it's not the same as, you know, when I was 26 or whatever and, and just quit my job and moved across the country and it was you know wild and sexy and amazing um things now would look a lot different but um I still you know I'm so lucky to not be trapped in work that meets our financial needs but that doesn't meet every other need that I have right which is is bigger and in addition to the financial piece so I don't want to give this impression like things have just um always been fine financially because they haven't and entrepreneurship is a fucking grind at times but I think you get to a point or at least I have and I, I've heard this from others where um, you just have to sort of let go of the the hustle you have to unlearn what it is to um, tax yourself to work at an unsustainable rate um, and find a way to carve out your own path that honors who you are as a spirit as a body um, that is a, a way of work of offering your work to the world that um, again honors who you are and honors how you want it to impact other people so this path this last 14 years it's hard to believe that it's been that long but the healing that has happened since I started to work for myself, since I started to um, reconnect to me, to the spiritual realm, to the natural world, you know, it's been an act of reparenting myself. It's given me permission to be here. And I, I want to cry just talking about this. It's, um, it's that, like, <laughs> I never cried on the podcast. Um it's that early spring invitation of like permission to, to be here and to, to offer your gifts to the world, to honor your calling, to honor the fact that, um, you have a, a calling and a vocation and, um, that it's not going to be easy, but like that new life, that new baby or that new seedling, like you have permission to draw up what you need and, and to take up space and to be here and to, um, share your beliefs and, and write or express yourself or work with people in the way that you want to or um, develop a new spiritual practice that makes sense to you and that helps to guide you, you know, carving my own path through this, becoming a, you know, a nature-based career coach was never in the plan, you know, becoming someone who did career-specific tarot readings was never something that I could have predicted. And, and it does get really lonely sometimes working for yourself or doing work that is different or doesn't always make sense to people. But um, it's been a way to remember that I am so much more than um, the income that I am or am not making. I'm so much more than my job title, um, the responsibilities I have, that I'm – I am worthy of being here regardless of whether or not anyone else sees that. And I can work now from a very proactive, empowered place rather than just, you know, floating around hoping that someone sees me and sees my value. And I know that that's something so many of us, so many people still do. I think, you know, many of my clients still have that experience of just desperately wanting to be seen and accepted for a job or invited to apply or, you know, put up for a promotion. And there's nothing 
that doesn't mean that you're bad, of course, it, but it, I think it does mean that there's more work to do, you know, um, in terms of reconnecting and strengthening yourself and sort of fortifying your spirit and your expansiveness and, and connection to what you believe is meaningful about this life. So, you know, work is not everything, of course, (laughs) there's so much more than work, but work for me is a sacred conversation. It is a calling and a vocation that is larger than the day-to-day, but also lives in every moment that I'm here at this desk showing up doing this work. Um, So while it's not everything, it can be medicine. It is for me. It has been for my clients. It can be a way that you reconnect with yourself, reconfigure yourself, give voice to your dreams and your ideas and your possibilities and give yourself permission to be here. When the work is in integrity for you, it is it can be a medicine, and I hope that that is your experience as we move forward through the spring, and there are opportunities every day and every moment for the work to be medicine for you. It doesn't have to be making a huge career overhaul. You know, you can give yourself permission to work in other ways, work in ways that are not toxic for your body or your spirit, um, and I invite you to, to start playing around with that, to let work be healing um, in some form or another, another, however you need it. So that's what I have for you. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me today. Um, it's really been an honor and feels so lovely to be able to share openly in a safe container. Um, and again, I hope you don't feel like you need to do anything with it. Um, I feel supported and safe and grounded and um, have so much more in the way of tools and coping skills now um, that I can share these things on the blog or on the podcast or in Cedar Lodge. Um, And I can do so freely and without a lot of fear or baggage. And that's taken work. And I know that if you're not there and you want to be, you can, you can do that too. So um, if, t- if hearing about my journey today felt helpful to you, you know, please consider sharing this episode with others who need it. Consider, you know, subscribing to the podcast, rating it, sharing a review. And if you sense that your own right work could be medicine for you, I hope you will consider working with me one-on-one. Um, again, this journey can be incredibly healing and it's an honor to, to offer that to people. So happy spring, happy rebirth. Take up the space that you need in a good way, and uh, I'll see you again soon. Bye.